Agents Podcast. This episode of the Lab Code Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. All right, Lab Code agents, we have a treat for you today. And uh, again, I say this a lot when I get to do these interviews that I'm selfishly excited to get to interview our guest today uh, because we're talking about somebody with 50 years of real estate experience, somebody who's getting inducted into a real estate hall of fame in the next couple of weeks. Uh, a chief executive officer of, of Real Living Real Estate, a senior vice president with multiple platforms and experience in the real estate space. Uh, this gentleman has authored a book called How to Develop a Six-Figure Income in Real Estate. Oh, and by the way, he's a former draft choice of the Boston Celtics and former neighbor, damn near, of Tristan Almada in Westlake Village, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Alan Dalton. Alan, welcome. Jeff, great to be here. Uh, forgive me for having to make one correction. I didn't author the book, uh, How to Make a Six-Figure Income. And that's a book that many years ago, Mike Ferry wrote, and he actually dedicated the book to me. So that's probably in my bio uh, somewhere. And I really love the fact that Mike did dedicate that book to me. But that that aspiration of making a six-figure income, which would be $100,000, would be a significant pay cut for so many of your lab coat network agents. So I just wanted to make that correction. Uh, well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. Sometimes my excitement gets the best of me, <laughs> and and I just I I just start start blabbering. So. So, Alan, let's let's start here. Uh, let's just assume a lot of our audience doesn't know, e e despite your status, despite all of the things that you've accomplished, your 50 years in the business, and obviously everything that you've done and are currently doing, let's have you tell our audience who you are and kind of how you you know came through the business. And then I think we've got a whole hell of a lot to talk about. Well, basically, um, yeah, it's not quite 50, but almost 50. I'm 72. So let me see, 25, I guess we 47. I usually don't keep track of it. But I started as an agent in Boston, in a town called Medfield, Mass. And very shortly thereafter, I was recruited from a conference that I went to, to to move from Boston to New Jersey. That's probably why I have a combined accent here. And I spent 20 years there. I joined a company with one office and with Joe Murphy, and we built it together to 60 offices over 20 years. We sold the company. I then became the CEO of Realtor.com. But when I was at Murphy Realty, I created all the national marketing systems for better homes and gardens. Then actually I went to um, the company that purchased us was a company called NRT. And they acquired most of the Coldwell Banker companies in the country. And I created national marketing systems for the four brands at Realogy at Century 21 ERA, Coldwell Banker, 
and, and, and Better Homes and Gardens, of which they oversee now. Then I became the uh, CEO of Realtor.com. Then after several years there, I left to start a website called townadvisor.com that, that never made it. It was underfunded. I asked myself, where do people go for hotel information? They go to TripAdvisor. Where do they go for home improvement? They go to HomeAdvisor. Where do people go if they're trying to decide which town to live in a county? There's no comparable site. And so after that failed, I then was hired to become the CEO of Real Living and the senior vice president of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services as the, as the senior vice president of research and development. And now I'm senior vice president of research and development for both Berkshire Hathaway Home Services as well as Home Services of America. But I think that the thing that has influenced me the most is when I was president of my company, for 20 years, I, was, I went on two or three listing calls a day for 20 years. I basically made the presentations for the whole company unless I wasn't available. Now, I never met the homeowners again. I was like a listing presentation Hessian, a mercenary. Who was that man? But, but it gave me tremendous experience in terms of presenting value to home sellers. And that shaped a lot of the national marketing systems uh, that I've created and a lot of what I've done today. And then I mentioned I did a lot of stuff for Mike Ferry. He used to speak at his events. He did dedicate his book to me. And, um, and so that, that's basically anybody in the business this long should have is, at least that many um, experiences. And, and that's my background, Jeff. And thank you for asking. I love it. And, and I have to ask, because I am a sports fan, what, what happened with the Boston Celtics? What happened with your basketball future? Well, what's interesting is a lot of people that are, that are really not rabid uh, sports fans, they don't understand that there's a difference between being drafted by an organization and making the team. Correct. So every year now, they, now the teams draft three players per team. Back then, it was many more. So I was drafted in both the NBA, and back then there was another – professional league, which in fact, Dr. J played and called the ABA, the American Basketball Association. So I was drafted by both. I didn't make either. I ended up playing professional basketball in Greece. But back then, in order to play professional basketball in Greece, they were allowed to have two Greek Americans. I wasn't Greek American. So they falsified a birth certificate for me. And I played under the name of Alexos Daltos. And so that was my experience in, in basketball. I feel a little bit uh, awkward admitting to that falsehood, but uh, I love basketball so much. I just had to um, condition my wife to being, to answer to uh, where's Alexa. <laughs> well, that's, that's a classic story. And I don't think you could get away with that nowadays. If I'm, if I'm, if I, uh, with the way technology is. So I think actually that's a claim to fame and I would run with that. How long did you play over in Greece? I played one year, but you know, the other thing I got away with after I came back, I was approached by my good friend was the captain at Yale University for two years in basketball. His name was Mike Baskowskis, and he was Lithuanian. He played in the Lithuanian games. And so he, he saw what I did in Greece. So they changed my name to Giannis Ambrosis. I played in the Lithuanian games and I was actually the MVP. Oh, wow. How fun is that? Well, I mean, what a great story. So are you, are you a Celtics fan to this day? I'm actually an NBA fan. You know, I, 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 I focus on players like I, lo I love LeBron. I, I love, um, I, I used to love Malone and Stockton. And so because I've moved so many places, I, it's, it's, it's diluted a little bit of my 
rabid association with the Celtics. And not only that, hey, they cut me. True, true. This is true. I get it. I get it. Well, I, I don't want to go t- too down. It sounds like you and I could have a conversation about sports in perpetuity, but I don't think that's why the audience is here. So there might only be a minute uh, percentage of them that actually are enjoying this this banter. So let's talk about, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to start just very broadly. You know, you have more experience than the vast majority. And not only do you have the the, the time, you have deep experience. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that there, there's, there's a fair amount of realtors that have been in the business for a number of years, but as realtors, you have seen and touched and felt and been a part of some massive, massive things. What would you say is probably one of your most proud accomplishments as it relates to real estate? Well, I would say one of my proudest accomplishments is that when I went to realtor.com, the, the stock had gone down to um, 10 cents from over $100. And, and, and so that's nothing that your network's going to be sympathetic over uh, because we're talking about um, investor woes. Uh, but it really signaled that the, the company was in upheaval. They were re- trying to resolve a, a multiple lawsuits. Investors had lost f- small fortunes in investing into the stock. And, um, and I was able to, over several years, to turn that around with my team from losing like $70 million a year to earning $70 million plus a year by basically better communicating its value, being more respectful to realtors and brokers, and, um, and really re- redefining its, its essence. And so that was that had the greatest order of magnitude in the industry because nothing touches realtors more than like realtor.com and Zillow. I mean, there was a million two hundred thousand realtors, and I was sending an email out like every week to a million realtors with messaging at all the conventions, at all the conferences. We had 150 telemarketers that I profoundly influence, great people. And so that was that was probably the, my greatest achievement, and it had the greatest uh, impact. And because I'm a consumerist, I loved the way the site performed for the consumer. Because initially, a lot of realtors and brokers hated Realtor.com, but the consumer didn't. The consumer loved the site, and so and then the top agents. But the the challenge with Realtor.com was that the large companies hated it because it evened the playing field. The top producers hated it because they were basically subsidizing the lower producing realtors who didn't have to pay anything to have an enhancement of their listing. The low producers resented it because it allowed the top producers to buy leads. Okay, The MLSs hated it because it basically subsumed their role. So it was, like, it was almost like Shakespearean in nature and in a, in a perverse sort of way, I almost enjoyed and rejoiced over all of the attacks because of my sports and competitive background. It, it felt like I was in battle and it was invigorating. I get it. I get it. And, and still to this day, uh, and, and maybe even compounded from, from whenever you were talking about, you know, I, I don't think that is changing and it's only going to continue to magnify the, you know, probably the 
I don't know if I want to use the word hatred, but, you know, when you talk about a Zillow, for example, obviously those that are involved with Zillow are very strongly passionate because it's had a profound impact on their business, but that's a small, small minority and everybody else. It's like, it's, it's Satan. Right. And so it's interesting that that was the answer to to my question. So you're going to take me down this rabbit hole of, where do you see this going? So you had a part, you had a hand in creating what it was and what it's evolved into. Yeah. Where do you see it going and how is that going to impact the industry? Well, that's a very profound uh, question, Jeff, and it just points to how deep your knowledge of the industry is to ask that very insightful uh, question. And, 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 and basically, the way I look at it, and I'll wrap it into the question, what does the industry need to do, what the realtors need to do. When you think about it, first of all, let's start with artificial intelligence, okay, and prop tech. When you talk about artificial intelligence, the challenge for the industry is the industry is not universally strategic. For example, if you were to ask most of the realtors on this on the network, did you have a strategy when you were in high school or college to come into real estate? Many would say no, and yet all doctors, lawyers, engineers, accountants, athletes, entertainers. So we're not the most strategic populations. Now, there's no correlation between that and intelligence and work ethic, but we're in an instant gratification, transaction at transaction driven industry, and we're competing with disruptors that will invest billions of dollars to take over the first point of contact with the consumer. Now, many years ago, people talked about disintermediation, the elimination of the middle person. That didn't happen because a real estate transaction is too protracted in nature. It's not a commodity. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, real estate's like a commodity. It isn't. See, one of the reasons why stockbrokers and E-Trade, people who work for E-Trade, if somebody sells a million-dollar stock, their commission is $12 or so. No realtor would take a $12 commission check for a million-dollar sale, but... But the question is this, if they think it's a commodity, that's all they would deserve, but it's not a commodity. See, the, the, the problem with the whole real estate industry is that we don't have an image problem, we have a value problem. When it comes to image, we couldn't be in better shape. We're prodigiously photoshopped, we're resplendently dressed, we invented personal promotion along with Hollywood. We've been writing, we're in the age of ratings and reviews, we've been writing our own reviews for 50 years and they're all glowing. And parking lots of realtors around the country are brimming with BMWs. So we don't have an image problem. We have a value problem because many consumers perceive a real estate transaction as a fee inflated event, which they have to subsidize in order to promulgate an inefficiently run industry. So, we, but we were not disintermediated, but we were disrupted on the buying side because now with over 95% of buyers kicking off their home search online, that means that realtors have to pay for leads, they have to pay for referrals, but I've characterized them, Jeff, as they're really paying tariffs. These are real estate tariffs, okay? Hmm. In fact, I did a video with the founder of WebMD, your network can go Google it, say no to real estate tariffs, because when's the last time a doctor gave you a referral fee? Hmm. When's the last time a lawyer gave you a referral fee? Okay, so the pie isn't increasing, but a major chunk of revenue went out to third party portals. Okay, and I'm glad they did when I was at Realtor.com because I work for the investors and that's how I get 
compensated because the stand that you take depends on where you sit, okay? Now, the only place that third-party money can go and where prop tech will have a very profound impact in artificial intelligence fueling prop tech will be to disrupt the listing side. Now, historically, 75% of home sellers select a realtor based on some of the already know and like and trust. But that will be disruptive because now increasingly, hundreds of millions of dollars are gonna be invested to inculcate, to incentivize, to persuade home sellers to now select their agent based on ratings, reviews, and rebates. That means that the industry has to do what I call move from search engine optimization to what I've called seek engine optimization. They've got to use technology, in-app marketing and so forth and so on, social media in a way that they basically preemptively inoculate themselves from search. They've, they've got to use seek platforms to preempt search platforms because if they allow the consumer to now actually search for the listing agent, because when I was CEO of Realtor.com, 99% of the traffic to the site clicked on find a home, only 1% clicked on find a realtor, and they were realtors. So that told us that buyers don't search for agents, they search for properties. Home sellers now are beginning to search for agents. And that could be very disruptive to listing rainmakers because listings generate buyers, the home seller determines the fee. So realtors won't be disrupted, but they could be, and even though all fees are negotiable, we must always say that, it could lead to a significant diminution of, of value in a fee in terms of that. So there's things that, the things that realtors have to do. First of all, I'm working on a program, which I can't give the details of, that it's, uh, the program is converting your databases to client bases. Today, every single coach is still actually talking about databases, okay? By now, the industry should have developed antibodies to that because I could have the largest database, for example, in California, I could buy the voter registration rolls for the Republican and Democratic Party. I could walk through the Anaheim con Convention like, a, like a, a peacock, but in five years, I'm gonna be a feather duster, okay? Because doctors don't have databases, lawyers, financial planners, they have clients, but the industry uses the word client to define somebody they're representing during a transaction. We're an industry that people actually still use these words. Get a load of this, past clients my past clients. No other professional talks that way because we're in a transaction, a transaction driven business. So we've got to change the very nature of relationships. And we've got to stop just thinking of advertising. When you're ready to buy, sell a home, give me a call. Okay, gee, what a sport. And we've got to basically have profound relationships in the same way that the life insurance industry did. Years ago, people used to first, they sold death insurance, then burial insurance. Then somebody said, gee, it would sound better if we call the life insurance. But then what happened is this. They all evolved to financial planners. Okay, so they, they basically anchored the clients and then sold them for the rest of their life. We're not anchoring. We're in a world where people are talking about lead gen, okay? And I'll tell you something, and I just wrote an article for the, about this, about lead gen. We have to convert lead gen to friend gen, Okay, I just get through reading a book, The Power of Talking to Strangers. If, the, if society wouldn't talk to strangers, civilizations would have collapsed. There wouldn't be cities. 
But our industry, everything we do is for my needs. So we talk, for example, about, you've heard the expression, who has it? I'm a real estate trusted advisor. In fact, I actually own the URL real estate trusted advisor. So I'm not knocking it because I'm jealous of it. I own it. But the point is this, everybody says I'm a real estate trusted advisor. What they should be saying, what they should be basically be focusing on more is how they should trust strangers. Because the key to their future is to develop relationships with people they don't even know yet. And so we've got to shift that focus. Another thing that we've got to focus is this. The entire industry has been taught the wrong way in terms of their value. If you go into any textbook, listen to any coach, every one of them says this, the market determines the price or the buy determines the price. Mm -hmm. Thank God the market doesn't determine the price. The market only influences the price because if the market determined the price, realtors have no value other than an appraiser to price the property right, okay? And so we're the, this is, this is a catastrophically stupid, okay? For us as an industry to diminish our value, step on our own ear holes, and buy into the fact that the market determines the price. Then what do I need you for? Or the buyer determines it. Then what do I need? What am I paying you as a marketing realtor money to represent me if you don't even have influence on the outcome? You're just facilitating a transaction that's predicated and predetermined based on what the market is going to determine. No, who determines the price? The buyer, the seller, the seller agent, the buyer agent, the lender. Now, these aren't semantical situations here. This has profound consequences to the internalization of value, the confidence level. This is why we're so low on respect surveys from the consumer, because thank God the consumer thinks we, thank God the consumer doesn't think the market determine the price. Thank God they blame realtors. Thank God they think we have power. Thank God they think we can make a difference. But, but the industry's all been internalized to believe that the market determines the price. And so these are, and the other thing, and one that I'll turn it right back and forgive me for going on and on. The other thing is this, we're in an industry that people still actually use the words listing presentation. Is there a homeowner in North America that wants to hear a listing presentation? No. What's a listing presentation? It's about you, your company, your background. A listing presentation is performative. People want marketing presentations and marketing proposals. And this isn't just semantics. These have profound, and we still call the person who represents the homeowner, Jeff, get a load of this, get a load of this. Who's the listing agent? But every realtor with lab coats does more than just list the property. Shakespeare, Shakespeare once said, suit the actions to the word and the words to the actions. Confucius once said, all wisdom becomes by properly naming things. We're, as an industry, when we actually self-identify as a listing agent, we strip out all value, we make ourselves more vulnerable to disruption, we make ourselves more vulnerable to artificial intelligence, okay? And that's also one of the reasons why about 25% of realtors self-identify as being a realtor. You don't hear somebody say, hi, I'm a doctor, I'm an architect, my daughter's an engineer, how can, we, how, how can it be that 25% of people can't even properly enunciate their title? Because the most important thing realtors do is represent home sellers as a marketing agent with a marketing proposal. And even there, we're going back to what was called 100 years ago. Who's the listing agent? So some, these are some of the massive 
changes that must take place in terms of us being able to prevent listing side disruption. That was one of the most profound and lengthy dissertations I've ever heard. And I'm I'm just going to say this because I am a a thesaurus junkie. You're very eloquent. You use very good words. Some of them I'm going to have to go back and look up uh, because uh, I'm that impressed. I love this conversation, Alan. So a lot to unpack on what you just said, but I'm going to go back to the very beginning of what you just said when you were talking about, you know, how an agent needs to overcome or, or combat what the Zillows and the Realtor.coms are essentially doing. And, and so when you mentioned, for example, you know, how they market themselves and utilizing social media, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're saying realtors have to figure out or they have to strategize in order to position themselves to where they are basically going to be the ones that are that are that are getting in front of the buyer going online to search for listings because they want you they need to become the source the authority the expert and and over that's the only way they're going to overcome a zillow is that what you were saying and and if not explain or if so maybe take it a step further as to what you advise a realtor do to combat this okay well that that those are elements of it and let me just say this jeff okay in terms of the word dissertation when you're asking very provocative questions that that basically point to the future of the real estate industry it's not like you're asking me hey what what do you think of the good hours for to hold an open house okay these are very very significant points to focus on so they do require nuance i love it and and i'm happy to provide it and then in terms of this this follow-up uh question Mentioning Zillow, the buyer genie is out of the bottle. Every person with lab coats, I mean, I may not be right, but I'm convinced if they were told you're being transferred to London, to Chicago, you, your spouse, your partner, you, you're going to move your family next week. There's a good chance very shortly thereafter, they'd go to Google, Zillow, Realtor.com, and they may search that city or a town. So those are the professionals. That tells us this. The, the genie is out of the bottle when it comes to home search. No one is going to reverse or countervail billions and billions of dollars to condition the home seller to go online to be able to, in a matter of seconds, search properties anywhere in the world through IDX with multiple photos school information, so forth and so on. And not only that, there's almost, what, 8 billion almost people on the planet. So no one can target their dollars to basically develop relationships from buyers coming in from a plethora of sources worldwide. So that leaves us the home sellers. The home sellers are all geographically identifiable. That's why there's geographical farming. Because sellers, so I think we have to resolve ourselves, everybody's gonna have to continue to pay for referrals or pay to be a preferred agent or whatever to get leads from the internet. Because no no one's efforts are gonna transcend that. But what you can do is somebody can basically dominate a local market relationship-wide. A good friend of mine, she made over $1,300,000 last year in a market that the average agent makes 50000 
because she sends out 16,000 postcards a month. Now, those 16,000 postcards are more valuable than 16,000 posts on social media because they're targeted, okay? So the whole idea is that we're, we can't afford home sellers to look at the internet like the emergency waiting room that they go to, 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 to find something. We have to have them like, like the doctor's relationship to WebMD. Okay, if I have a client, they're still gonna go on WebMD incessantly, but they're not gonna go to WebMD to find their doctor because they've established a relationship with a doctor, a lawyer, a financial planner. So see, we've been farming for years, but we've been planting the wrong seeds. Everybody's focusing on a sphere of influence. They should be focusing on how to influence your sphere. Now, here are some of the ways to influence your sphere. Number one, the marketing of real estate has been somewhat commoditized. Everybody has IDX, open houses, facility signs, can do brochures, can do virtual tours, can do little videos. But here's the point. But now, how do people differentiate themselves? The dean of the Harvard Business School said this. Every person should ask themselves two questions. Number one, what do I do that my competition does, but that I do better? And number two, what do I do that no one else does? Well, everyone does open houses. Everyone does IDX. So you've got to do things better. So that leads realtors to say, but I'm a better negotiator. Oh, I'm a better stager. You can trust me, so forth and so on. But all of that has a limitation. Where the greatest opportunity is, is marketing communities. But here's what's happening in the industry. The industry is, is, does not, to me, fully grasp the difference between serving the community and representing the community. See, I've studied thousands of, hundreds of thousands of agent websites. I had 1,200 sales executives as my colleagues in my own company. As CEO of Realtor.com, I studied the behavior of million realtors. I've seen tens of thousands of websites. The overwhelming percentage of realtors are still back in the old times talking about how they serve the community. Now, that's admirable, and they should. But here's the problem. Every person who lives in the community can serve the community. The baker can serve the community. The doctor, the dentist, they can work on the July 4th parade, the soup kitchen, donate to charity, work in school committees, okay? Every single resident can serve the community, but only one professional can represent the community. That's a realtor. That's if you Google the definition of representing and you see one of the chief definitions is to tell a story, to narrate. So here's what's happening. Instead of doing profoundly substantive storytelling on the communities, the industry is con dangerously conflating issues. Because if you were to go to Google or ask anybody, how long should a video be? They'll say 90 seconds, under two minutes. But it's impossible to tell the story of Westlake Village in 90 seconds, or Thousand Oaks. See, I've always said this, when people ask a realtor, how are you different? Or would ask me that, I would always say this, hey, Jeff, rather than focus on how I'm different, I'd rather focus on how we have to make your property different. You see, I don't compete against other agents here in Los Angeles County, but your home competes against other homes. I actually cooperate with all the other realtors, but your home doesn't cooperate, it competes. So the way that I'm different is how we're gonna point out what's different about your home. See, that's a lot better than I'm this, I'm that, I did this, I did that. But now Mayor Bloomberg was on Meet the Press 15 years ago when he was asked this, 
what do you see as the greatest future threat to the future of New York City? He said, London. That's why he's a billionaire, because he's more strategic. He said, because they compete, we compete for the same people and resources. So what that means is that the industry is obsessed with how it's different. Discover the difference. Listen with me and start packing. The home team. I did this. I did that. I'm in the top 1%. It's an obsession over our differentiation and a complete oversight over the fact that the homeowner has to enjoy differentiation and towns compete against other towns. And so the greatest opportunity to prevent listing side disruption is to go beyond a Google search and do world-class community videos, but you can't do them in 90 seconds. And I've asked realtors, and I've written like 10, many of these, I've asked many realtors this question when they do a video. What do you think is more important? The images or the words? They all say the images. Then I prove that that's not the case. I show them videos with just the images, and they all say the same thing. There's Starbucks everywhere. The waves come in thousands of towns. Oh, there's a train going by. Oh, there's a school for a built front building. Big deal. Whoopie do. Oh, there's a high rise. It means nothing. Then I show them the video without the images and just the words. I had them listen to it rather. Oh, I want to move there because it's storytelling. It's just like you read the book and the movie doesn't. But imagine a movie without the words. And the other thing, they all want to insert themselves. Hi, I'm Bob. I'm at the bakery with Joe. Hey, Joe. Um, how do you tell us about how you love living in a town? No one's going to change where they live because somebody has better pizza. Okay, they want a more nuanced deep. And so, Congress people get reelected over 95% of the time. The highest ever was, I think, 98 or 99%. Do you know why? They don't serve the communities, they represent the community, but they don't represent them as a fiduciary. That's why they can put a power plant next to your house. But they, they go to Washington and they represent and tell the story. And realtors have to start representing communities versus serving communities. And they've, start, they've got to start doing community storytelling that goes beyond these little pithy 21 things or, or hi, I'm Bob at the bakery in terms of that. So I think that the only way they're going to preemptively inoculate themselves over the inevitability of future disruption on the listing side is to have a value that people can't find anywhere else because in the information age, data and information have the lowest level of value. Knowledge and wisdom have the greatest value. No one has more knowledge of the community. And according to NAR research, 75% of people are more willing to compromise on their home than on their community. But we spend 99% more time focusing on the merits of a home because there are clients technically and that's how we get compensated. So those are, those, are some of the, those are some of the things that we have to do. We have to do something that people can't experience on the internet. And no one at Google is, is, is driving around the community for 20 years that knows every nook and cranny. And, but if we're gonna do that, we have to, we have, to have better uh, articulation of the communities. We're in an industry that essentially only uses six words to describe every home. Your home is beautiful, lovely, charming, gracious, spacious, and elegant. Every property is described the same. It's either park-like setting or professional landscape. Ever hear of those? And so we have to take it to a higher level and we've got to become profound storytellers 
And it's almost as if the town hired you to market it. Okay, would you do a video? Would you do this? We've got to we've got to hire ourselves to market the towns more fulsomely because the transaction, because of artificial intelligence in prop tech, where people will be able to get more more information faster, more reliable, that's going to diminish the value of a realtor. So it's got to be made up in another realm. It's got to be made up in terms of advice. 95% of consumers expect that they're going to invest in their home. But when they're making these home improvements, the majority of the time, they don't even call in a realtor. And th these are the areas we've got to have greater value specifically, okay, during the period where they own the home. And also we've got to expand the marketing and do as good a job of marketing towns as we do homes. So when you're talking about this strategy, and which I'm, I'm very familiar with, and we have a video school, we teach this stuff, right? We do, Tristan and I do some social media coaching, all that stuff. And I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you. And, and what you're describing to me sounds very similar to a YouTube type of strategy where you're creating longer form video uh, because YouTube, of course, is, is, is more accepting of it. Uh, you're probably cross promoting it across multiple platforms, email, anywhere you can, right? And maybe even cutting up that longer form storytelling content into micro content to then promote the longer form. It, it, correct me if I'm, I'm off base there, but do you have, because I, I agree with you uh, uh, dramatically, I, I love what you're saying, but do you have any examples? Is there somebody that's doing it at a very high level that you can say, you should go check this person out and try yes. to emulate them? Absolutely. She's a, she's a, a big fan and member of Labcoats, and her name is Julie Vanderblue. Okay. And um, spell that, spell I, that last name for us. V-A-N-D-E-R. B-L-U-E. And before I became part of Real Living in Berkshire Happy Home Services, because I would never do it for her or anybody else now outside the network, I wrote for her nine or ten videos. You can go to Vanderblue, Julie Vanderblue, to her website. You can just Google her name. It will come up. Go to her website, and it will say Community Profiles. And you will see world-class seven to ten minute videos because, because, because here's the whole idea. But you don't do them with the expectation that people are going to find them online because they're not. People can't find what they're not searching for. Okay? And so here's a case of seek engine optimization. So you've got to email. You've got to use in-app marketing like Chalk Digital or AdWorks to, so people will link to it. You've got to have a loop of these at open houses. See, there's, there's, I think, 1.5 billion people or whatever that come to the internet. There's a, there's a website for every three or four consumers in the world. You're going to get lost. People have to understand the difference between social networking, social media, and social media marketing. Most people don't take that nuance. Just like most people conflate the internet with the web, even though the internet preceded the web by 20 years or so. Social networking is about making and keeping friends. Social media is about bringing content to the platforms. Social media marketing is about making money and monetizing it. Realtors are being monetized by the web more than they're monetizing the web, okay? And so, so the, the point is this. You take the video, you take a seven-minute video. People have done this. 
they'll rent out the local movie theater and they'll invite everybody in town to see it. Now, would they invite somebody in to see that 90 second little video riding around their bicycle up and down neighborhoods? No, that, because it's not substantive enough. The number one show on PBS for years was, was Aerial America. Those are one hour videos. Now here's the whole point. I'm not gonna watch a 30 second video about anybody else's wedding, but I'm gonna watch my daughter's wedding. Okay, so it's, it's a targeted audience. What homeowner in a town wouldn't want to take seven to 10 minutes to see how their town has been portrayed in a movie? Everybody would. So now you, what you've got to do, go door to door, bring a flash drive, send email links to it, okay? Have it at open houses. Because the, the 20,000 the 20, people who live in that town have more value to a realtor than the rest of the 7 billion people on the entire planet and the 3 million people that are going to the internet are going to social media. How many of the people on your Facebook site have homes in your town that you might list someday? Mm -hmm. Maybe a small percentage. Realtors sometimes aren't even asking those questions because they're getting swept away. They've got to be more strategic. Everyone says more hyper-local. You've got to find a way. If you thought you had a video, that would be, and by the way, these videos, this is not an exaggeration. You can call Julie. When homeowners see it, they start tearing up because of the way, but you've got to have the right pros. Like when I did her video on Fairfield, here's what I wrote. Fairfield, Connecticut, romantically and recreationally situated adjacent to the ecologically flourishing Long Island Sound. Now, no homeowner in town is ever going to say to somebody, I live in Fairfield. We're romantically and recreationally situated adjacent to the ecologically flourishing Long Island Sound. But if you're showing pictures of yachts going by, lighthouses, waves crashing along the sea, the sea coast, you have to have the pros that has people say, oh my God, thank you. What a gift to our community. This video, all of those videos, when people check them out, they're all gifts to, to, that, to those communities. And then the homeowners say, how can we not have you because our, because our value, see, you should advertise like this. Most realtors look to sell more homes. My focus is on selling homes for more. The only way you market real estate is on three things, range, reach, and influence. Range is the internet, reach is IDX. Everybody has range and reach. The differentiator is influence. The challenge isn't getting people to find out about your home or even come to see your home. The challenge is to influence them to want to pay top dollar. And that has, and that's inexplicably interwoven with how we tell the story and narrate the value. And the major part of narrating the value is less obvious. That's the rendering of the town. And it's got to be forensically approached. And, and, and you see those videos, there's a science behind all of them. And that to me is where the industry must go because here's the thing, we're not ready for artificial intelligence. You like words, then you'll like what I'm going to say now, Jeff. The, one of the reasons why the industry is not sufficiently prepared for the inevitable onslaught of prop tech and what it does in terms of diminishing their realtors' roles and elements of the transaction, okay, and making it more efficient, where the consumer expects savings, cost savings because of this efficiency, is the fact that the words are called artificial intelligence. Because if you Google artificial, it means inferior, okay, phony, this and that. If instead we were competing against superior intelligence, if somebody called this superior intelligence, okay, 
If somebody called it um, uh, more economical intelligence, better intelligence, if somebody called this, if this was called how to, just, how to disrupt realtors intelligence, okay, it would get people's attention, but it sounds so benign. Oh, it's artificial, I'm real, okay? We don't have to worry about artificial intelligence. No, billions of dollars are being invested into artificial intelligence to partially disrupt the value of a realtor. That's what's taking place. And the biggest way we can protect ourselves right now is not only to be a better negotiator, a better stage, and so forth and so on, that, that has more to do with the transaction, is to have acute, okay, discernible value beyond the transaction. And that has to do with owning, like never before, the way that, that towns are rendered. You know what I hear, what I'm hearing you say, and by the way, I'm glancing at her website as we're talking. And I went to, if you go to the Vanderblue team website and uh, one of the, the first, the first choice in the toolbar is property search, then it's communities. Once you kick, click on communities, it takes you to all of the communities that she obviously represents or, or focuses on. I went to Fairfield. The first thing I see is a quick look, uh, which tells me the population, the size, the schools, all that kind of stuff. And then there's an eight minute video right there. And that I assume is the story that you're talking about. I even saw uh, the little write up where it says a picturesque and ecologically flourishing Long Island. I love it. I love it. I love that you you just spit that right out. I would first of all, folks, go go check this out. Clearly, she's doing it right. Uh, so that is a great example of something that you can kind of set your own bar on. Uh, what what I want to ask is, and and what I what I think I hear you saying to me is. There is so much opportunity. Everybody looks at Zillow and Realtor.com and, and, and technology as, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, the world is ending, we're going to be replaced. I look at it from the other side of the coin and say, holy crap, there's a ton of opportunity because you know how many realtors are actually going to effectively execute this strategy? Like a minute number. Absolutely, exactly. And so, in fact, when I, when, I, when I used to go to playgrounds when I was in my college days, we go to playgrounds around Boston. I have a couple of buddies that were also serious basketball players. And they used to get upset sometimes with some of the guys that would show up to play against us. And I'd say, hey, thank God, because if, if everybody was Larry Bird, okay, we'd be smoked here, okay? And so I think, I think realtors should love the fact that it's 85-15, it's 90-10, okay? And, um, you know, that, I mean, that's, you know, in fact, if I can put a commercial, that's the whole we value of like Berkshire Hathaway Home Services is, is one example. Those are the agents that we want in the brand. Those are the those are the agents that the brand speaks to. And um, and so I, th I think it's a, you, you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. It's a great opportunity because most people won't do that. And most people are going to succumb to the to being monetized by little video things that they're gonna like because they're in them. How could they not like it? They see themselves, okay? And as opposed to thinking as a homeowner, what, what's gonna make a homeowner? See, if I went to every single homeowner in every town, and if I asked them, which realtor does the best job of marketing the town, they'd have to stop and think. Now, if I said, which realtor sells the most, they may know, but that's a different question. So everybody kind of already knows that, but it also gets back to this whole thing, the whole attitude, you're not serving the community. 
Doctors can serve the community. But here's the other thing. 80% of businesses go out of business. They all serve the community. Congress people get reelected 95% of the time because they don't serve. They represent. And that's a completely different mindset that you've got, you've got to be the person who has encyclopedic knowledge and that collapses into the most mesmerizing, correct, accurate rendering. And by the way, the video that you brought up, I, I wrote all of those, except for I think one or two. Those were like 10, 10, 12 years ago. Some of them are still, we didn't even use all of them drones. Okay, the later ones we did, but it doesn't matter because it's the way the story is being told, okay? Okay, Fairfield has two universities, but it's not a college town because the colleges are part of the town. The towns are part of the colleges. See, little nuances like that, people in town, oh, they, they get it, okay? When I, when I did Norwalk, Connecticut, welcome to Norwalk where the world is your oyster because Norwalk used to be called oyster town. Okay, so there's gotta be a, gotta be a theme. Fairfield's theme was Fairfield, the educated choice, because there's two universities. So now if somebody instead is going around, hey, this is Bob the Baker, they're not starting, they're not a storyteller. They just they just had somebody tell them, oh, you should do videos. You should do videos in the town, okay? And they're off to the races. But it's almost like if you had to take that town to Congress and defend it, okay, as why it should remain on the earth, how would you tell the story? It's, it's, it's like the most important story of your entire career, but agents think storytelling is about their story. And in fact, I, I, I did a lot of research. I do research and development for the, for the company. And I actually went up to, there was a dinner party of 10 people. And I actually went up to them and I said, can I ask, I'm doing some research. How many of you would like to, how many of you would be interested in seeing a video story about a, a realtor? They all started laughing, okay? Then I, then I went up to another table and said, how many of you would like to see a video that told the story about the town? They all wanted to see it. Do you have it? Do you have it? Okay, now that's kind of crude research, okay? And I'm not in any way disparaging the hardworking professional realtors who I love more than any other professional class who I have more respect for. They drive the economy. They work on straight commission. They're entrepreneurial. They're winners. They're relational. They're the greatest people on this earth, in my opinion. So I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful. But, I, but at the same time, I'm saying we're in, a, we're in a transaction to transaction, straight commission business that is tough for people to take a step back and really ask themselves the question, what would a homeowner value the most? Because it, they don't start out with a classic definition of marketing. Jeff, I've asked thousands of realtors over the years. Okay, if I can get a word edgewise here, a little joke for you, Jeff. I've asked thousands of realtors over the years this question in all 50 states and all the provinces of Canada. Define marketing. Well, it's getting your brand out there. It's giving people what they want. It's promoting yourself. It's this, it's that, okay? No, those are elements. Marketing is first determining the unmet needs of the marketplace and then creating goods and services to effectively respond for those needs, okay? That's why for the companies I serve, I work for, I have a program moving with pets. 70% of people have pets. So when people come to the open houses in the agents that I serve, and this is all proprietary, um, oh, do you have pets? Here's the brochure, moving with children, downsizing with distinction, how to effectively move up, whether you should move, improve, or improve, move, improve or relocate. See, we're not, we're not understanding content 
because we, we're not even past social networking to social media yet. Because social media is now about content. It's like Web 1.0 versus 2.0. But then social media marketing is content that addresses unmet needs of the marketplace. So what's an unmet need of the town of Fairfield? Fairfield competes against Westport. Westport competes against Darien. Darien competes against uh, to Greenwich. Westlake Village competes against Agora Hills. Agora Hills competes against Calabasas. Calabasas competes against Malibu. Every single town has an unmet need. They have to compete against other towns. States compete against other states. According to Mayor Bloomberg, cities compete against other cities. That's the area of differentiation where we have to assert our value, and this is the way to do it, but it's got to be done in a world-class way, okay? In fact, let me get, may I give my email? I don't, I won't even do that. No, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm only going to help realtors in my networks that I serve, okay? Uh, but I'm also help to, if somebody has a question, it's Alan Dalton at hsfaffiliates.com. HSFaffiliates.com, okay? But, but be, be in mind, I'm going to try to get you into our networks, okay? But you're, you're, you're all prepared for that. Don't worry about it. But anyway, okay. No, that's great. Actually, say it one more time. Say the email address one more time. A-L-L-A-N, Alan. Or should I get my Greek one, Alexos? No, <laughs> Alan, A-L-L-A-N, Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N, at H, S, H as in Harry, S as in Sam, franchise.com okay and i'm always helpful you know the 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 ceo christy budnick is a person who concerns about the whole industry uh chairman gino Bafari, the legend himself i think he's the goat okay he's involved in helping realtors throughout the entire industry his whole career not to the same degree but the what i love about realtor and i take it from sports i love the fact that we both compete and cooperate i think that's so i think that's so high and noble and wonderful that our industry rolls that way, that th that the entire value proposition emanates out of the spirit of cooperation, okay, and and and, and the need to to work together, and, and and trust. And so, so I'm happy to help anybody to a certain degree. I love it, man. I mean, this has been. I, I honestly, this this could go on and on. I think I could I could continue this conversation with you. Maybe we should do a part two if you're up for it. We can talk. Yeah, we can be, talk I'd about be happy that. to. Because what I like to do is I like to get into some, some more specific. I have a program that don'ts and do's of real estate. I took the 85 most common things that people say, and I give them alternatives. And I've never once had any realtor in America say they don't like the alternative better. Like for example, I'll just give one. We have realtors all over North America who actually still use the word comps. Hmm. Using the word comps is like saying to a home seller, let's take a look at some comparable children. Okay, now in any time a realtor has ever used the word comps, or let's take a look at some similar homes, and let's compare this to the subject property, every homeowner, I may not be right, but I'm convinced, has said this, but they don't have five bedrooms, but that home doesn't have a new kitchen. They can't walk the town. When will it finally occur to the real estate industry that we're killing people? In fact, what I do, I, I uh, the only speaking I do is I'm, I'm a demotivational speaker, Jeff, okay? Because I learned years ago I could never motivate people. And one of the reasons is because I'm from Boston, okay? We're just not ebullient and evangelical. And so when I learned that I couldn't motivate people, 
I called my daughter, who's a clinical psychologist, and I said, Ginny, daddy wants to be a, have value in the industry. I, I think I have value in a message, but I can't motivate anybody. And I said, so I'm going to be a demotivational speaker. And so I said, Ginny, can you do some research on how, to de how people get demotivated so I can teach realtors how to avoid doing that? She came back, there's four major ways of demotivating consumers and clients. Number one, embarrass them. Number two, belittle them. And especially if you can belittle them in front of loved ones, okay? That will really demotivate them. The third way is to talk about yourself. And the fourth way is to get them to change how they think. Just by virtue of using the word comms is trying to get people who don't like salespeople to change how they think by getting them to agree that there's other homes that can be compared to this, okay? So what should you say instead of comps? Jeff, let's take a look at properties which buyers will be evaluating at the same time they're evaluating your home. See, you don't have to juxtapose. You don't have to, because some of these homes, the people could have bought before. Some of them, they, the people who live there, they don't like. It's, it's the height of offensiveness to tell somebody that you are comparing, and some realtors will even put homes into their CMA that they haven't even seen. It doesn't stop them from doing this, okay? And so that's why we have to retool our rhetoric. A lot of the stuff that we've been saying, as I said earlier, consumers have developed antibodies over. We're speaking to a consumer who no longer exists. We have agents who still will say to a homeowner, when they present the first offer. Well, oftentimes the first offer is the best offer. The homeowner thinks, I know what you're doing because you, you're afraid the home, you may not get a commission because if, if I get $20,000 more, that's just a few hundred dollars to you as if I'm stupid here. See, we're one of the only professions that serves a public that in some cases is more sophisticated than our industry. Mm -hmm. yeah. The general public in general is not more sophisticated than doctors or lawyers. And so we, we have to retool our rhetoric, okay? We have to have a completely different way of communicating. And so that would be phase two if there's any interest. You can see if the lab coat network, when they um, hear all of this, uh, think that there's any value, and I'd be happy to uh, come back. But I want to say one thing about lab coats. I have so much respect for you, Jeff, and especially Tristan, who I've known longer, and I have profound respect for him because of what you are leading and organizing, that you have a generic open to all companies, all brands, all brokers with the name lab. Like I said, Confucius said all wisdom begins by properly naming things because what it signals is that we've got to be more strategic. We've got to, we've got to be on the cutting edge, okay? And you have, a, you have an unprecedented platform that is basically so relatively inexpensive compared to any other way of getting influence. And so it's a tremendous service to the realtor community. And for my small part, I just want to contribute to make sure that it's also a tremendous service to the public. Because when asked, you asked me earlier, what do I take the most pride in? I, I don't usually like that word, but, if, but I'll use that word. But if I, if I ask myself, what, have I, what do I enjoy the most? The thing that I've enjoyed the most in my career, more than anything else, even though I went out on listings for 20 years with all of my agents, even though I personally created a thousand brochures, one for all of my agents, I personally wrote, 
the thing that has gratified me the most is when I wrote, which I don't do now, which when I wrote all of the Tom videos, because I wrote them so little kids would feel prideful of where they live, where human beings and homeowners would feel prideful and feel good about their time on this earth, about their home and their community. In fact, lastly, I, I, I spent 20 years in New Jersey, a state that I love, of which my daughter and six of my grandkids live, and my oldest daughter went to Princeton as well, and my other daughter, UPenn, right across the river. New Jersey doesn't get a fair shake. Um, a lot of people around the country, the only image they have of New Jersey is the experience driving down the turnpike, which in some parts is the eyesore of the country. And they don't get to see the 99% of the rest of the state. And a lot of people, all they'll ever say, well, it does have some nice sections. So I was riding down, I was driving down the New Jersey, the Garden State Parkway years ago. And years ago, I was also the president of a Sotheby's company there, which the broker owner and the legendary Charlie Opler, who's the president of NAR this year, was his company with Randy, his, his co-owner. And I was driving down the parkway and I saw a picture of Albert Einstein. And it occurred to me, the two most notable geniuses in the history of America, Albert Einstein and Thomas Edison, both voluntarily moved to New Jersey. So I wrote a video, a move to New Jersey, a genius decision, okay? <laughs> And what it is, it countervails all of the negativity. People don't realize New Jersey's number one, I live in Connecticut now and I'm from Boston, but I love New Jersey. New Jersey's, was, when I, at the time I wrote this, it's number, it was number one in America in terms of mental health, okay? It, it was number two this, number three this, number two school system. It was the home of the equestrian. It had more horse properties per capita than any state in America. But how many people have an image of New Jersey of horse properties? They don't, they have the Soprano, Snooky, God bless her. Okay, that's the images of the state. So it talked about all the innovation, the schools, the, the freshest drinking water, the number one in blueberries, the epic seashore. Okay, all of the, all of the immense virtues, the fact that it's, it's in many ways other than Hollywood, it's the musical capital of the world with Frank Sinatra, Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen, Whitney Houston, I mean, there's so much to be, it's the home, it's the first baseball game, the first college football game. It, it's so rich. Now you can see I get excited. Mm -hmm. That's how we've got to be excited for all of the towns that we serve and we represent. And that of all the things, that's what I love to do the most. And, and, and if I have any contribution to having people across this country and across Canada feel better about their lives, because they feel better about where they call home, not just their home, then to me, that's that's my greatest, greatest sense of gratitude. I love it. I love it. I appreciate that. And I think- And by I've the got... way, they can, go, they can Google that, Jeff. Google New Jersey genius decision. There you go. There you go. One last bit of one last bit of of uh, nugget. Uh, one bet, last bit of homework. And um, like I said, Alan, I think we need to have you back. We need to talk more about the do's and don'ts. I want to ask you another question that that I'm going to tease for the next episode, which is, you know, how did we get here? Uh, I want to know what your take on that is, which I think will lead to how do you get out of here? Because I think realtors need to understand that a lot of the reason that we got here 
is is where they have gone wrong and why their strategies are wrong and will never work and why you might be replaced if you don't change your ways. So, Alan, let's uh, let's talk off air. Thank you. This has been fantastic. A great conversation. And um, I look forward to doing this again. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by Street Text, where you can run Facebook ads that actually work. They're ready to go Facebook ads that include landing pages, text message assistance through AI, drip emails, capture forms, and best practices. Join Street Text at streettext.com. Agents Podcast.